0: Hi, everybody. Hey, welcome to the Eternal Leadership Podcast. You guys have heard me say before, you know, as I've gone through life and I'm just looking at this fact that I got a second chance, right? How do I live a life so the use of my life outlives my life? And I was talking to Aaron Pina, who's on with me today, and he asked a question that, man, I'm like, wow, that is powerful. Because I envision this time you get to heaven and you just see you're just in front of Jesus and he puts his hand on my shoulders and he and he just says, well done, right? With these loving eyes. And Aaron said, you know, what if you get to heaven and God says, away with you? I, did, I didn't know you. I'm like, okay, all right, guys, that would be a bad day, right? We have like the best day of our life. Or the worst day of our life. And the great thing is, God, as we walk with Christ, He wants us to have that best day of our life. But in the world that we live in, with the influence that are here, with our families and business and economics and everything going on in the world and politics, and we could go through the whole list and everything going on in our communities, what does it look like to truly? ask God to reveal his will and what he's doing around us in the lives of people, in families, in organizations, it could be a church, it could be a for-profit public company. God is at work in all of these places. He wants everything reconciled and redeemed and not just in addition to lives, but it's also culture and the world we live in and the environment and everything. So in that, how do we find that revelation and then, and then, move in closer to the Lord, to partner with him in the work that he's already doing. And so that's why I've asked Aaron to come on today. Aaron, this is something, man, that you think about. You talk about your dynamic. You are awesome. And Aaron, welcome to the podcast, my friend.
1: John, thanks so much for having me. Pleasure to be here.
0: Well, hey, I'd like to start out. And you know what? You have recently come out with a real focus on that day. And, you know, what is this walk that we're on and what do we do next and uh, keeping things in alignment? And, you know, what led you through your journey to really say, this in this season of my life, this is the message God put on my heart right now that he wants me to bring in the world.
1: Yeah, I didn't know the Lord till I was probably 30. And so understanding that God had a will for my life was utterly foreign to me uh, until I came into relationship with him, personal relationship with him in, in 2000. And so over the course of time, I met a number of guys that were sort of spiritual fathers to me, more like wingmen, guys that really knew uh, knew the Lord had walked with Him, and, and kind of some of them sort of the banner of their life would be, men who walk with Jesus walk with men who walk with Jesus. And these were guys that I just said, all right, well, if you get that, what do I need to be doing to, you know, really walking that out? And along the lines, probably, gosh, 15, 10, 15 years into my walk with Jesus or so, maybe less than that, a, a guy came along and said... Hey, you know, I believe that, you know, walking with Jesus one-on-one and kind of a one-on-one discipleship relationship is really one of the places where we're going to be able to cover the most ground. I was in a small group and I understood, hey, you know, community groups for guys, men's groups are important. They can be helpful in your spiritual formation. But man, we really move the ball down the field the most when it's just two dudes in a Bible uh, sitting mm-hmm. on the back porch talking about what's God doing in your life. And so I had a couple of guys in my life that were like that. And uh, a few years into that season of my life, one of the guys came up to me and said, hey, listen, I run a group, a men's group on Friday mornings, and we do a lot for the guys that really help them hone in on their purpose for life and understand God's desire for them to live a life fully alive. But we really want to do something for them and their wives. Would you consider, with your background, would you consider taking this story And doing a one-man play, one-man show, so we could do kind of a dinner theater event. And I was like, yeah, you know, I've I've never met a bad idea. Let me take a crack at it. Um, (laughs) Now, hold a second.
0: Now, that story, if you guys might have read the book, is from Tim Stevenson's book, right? Yeah. It's called "The Bema, a story about the judgment seat of Christ. Now, in that also the focus is answering four key questions that really just kind of rips that lid off of connecting to God's purpose in in your life. Correct, Aaron? Yeah. Yeah. That's so, yeah, but hold on. I got to hit pause though. Imagine my friends going, Hey, Ramstead. Hey, what do you think about this? Book's awesome. Right? Yeah. Oh, dude. I loved it. Hey, what do you think about doing a one man play? Like we need to get this out there. I'd be like, okay. uh, Like in public, like two (laughs) people, right that's probably where i'd go for it. Yeah. And you know i gotta tell you aaron uh the fact that you've done this i actually did some work through heroic public speaking with michael port and one of the women there she's in new york amazing jewish woman but she had a message and she developed a one woman show and i got to see parts of it as she was crafting it and the work that went into it man talk about a passion project for sure so, so as you're about to share this, I just wanted to highlight to the everybody listening, I'm willing to guess this was months and months and months and probably hundreds of hours of work outside of your normal work. So i got to ask, what led you, when you said yes to this, to say, okay, this is God putting this on my heart versus just maybe something of interest? Because to pursue through a process to create what you've created with excellence I don't think you can do it well without really, you know, hearing God through that.
1: Absolutely. hundred percent. And yeah, that's a great question because the process for me was unique. One of these mentors, a guy named Ron Dunn, Ron had handed me a DVD of Tim Stevenson's pastor, Pete Briscoe, actually doing the same thing. And he said, hey, I want you to take a look at this. This is based on the story. I'll give you a copy of the book. Take a look. Let me know what you see in this and figure out what it would take to do this. Again, at this point in time in my life, I'm running a ministry, a nonprofit organization. I'm meeting with men on a regular basis, helping them walk through challenges in their season of life. And at the same time, we have a 12-year-old daughter. We have an 18-month-old toddler. And my wife was out to here pregnant with twins. So we had a lot going on. And I had, yeah, yeah, I I was really overcommitted at the time. So I put off watching the DVD over and over again and finally was confronted on it. And I said, I've got an idea. Let me put this in front of my wife. She'll watch the video with me. She'll automatically say, babe, you're overcommitted. There's no way you're going to have time to do this with excellence. And I'll be able to save face and go back to you know Ron and say, hey, listen, I'm just not going to be able to do this. We're overcommitted. And he'll, he'll totally understand because I'll pull the wife card on him. And as we're watching the story unfold on this DVD, we're watching the story unfold and my wife is like, elbowing me, she's leaning forward, she's laughing, we're crying, and I'm going, oh no, this is not going. Oh no, she's into it, oh no. (laughs) This is not going as planned, it was totally working against me. By the time we got to the end, she said a lot of what I didn't want to hear her say, which was very quickly, babe, somebody's got to do this, and you're the guy that's got to do it. And I'm like, oh, good grief. And she didn't, and, and I'm thankful for you to say all that you said, because it's exactly what was going on in my mind. Doesn't she realize that in order to do this, this is hundreds of hours of, quote, spare time that I just don't have right now. So for me, well, I can
0: say of- that in the back of your mind, you want, you know what, it's, I got to tell you, it's often a cop out um, when I hear Christians say, hey, let me pray about it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know? Because here's what I know has already happened. They don't want to do it. It sounds good. It gives them a chance to go, hey, I'll pray about it and talk to my wife. And then I can come back to you and go, you know, Aaron, prayed about it, talked to my wife, and it just doesn't fit right now. What I'm really saying, this is maybe me just having worked. 90% of the time, I wasn't down on my knees. I wasn't journaling. I wasn't seeking wisdom in counsel. I'm like, I don't want to be inconvenienced. So I don't want to ask a question that I don't want the answer to. And then guess what? I And I'm talking to my personal experience also. And then guess what, folks? I'm now living out of my integrity. I am now letting my flesh and my own desire preempt God's will that he has and what he wants me to be doing. And I got to tell you, I've done that many times. I'm just being honest with folks. And, mm-hmm. you know, I had to go to the Lord for forgiveness. And when I finally said, you know, when I said, I'm going to pray about it, you know what? Now... I mean it. I'm going to listen. I'm going to get counsel because, you know, here's a question, right? To follow God, if he really reveals his will to us. Here's a question one of my counselors asked me or one of my, you know, disciples, a good friend of mine said, John, would you accept any outcome? I'm like, okay. Like he's like, no, no, any outcome. Look at Job. Look at Job. You know, if you talk about a guy that said, "God, I'm, I love you, you're good, right?" And I'm going to praise you. Or if things aren't going my way, I'm going to praise you. Talk about any outcome, man. Like that, I got to tell you, that gets real pretty fast, doesn't it, Aaron?
1: It got real, real quick. And uh, God's been very gracious to me by surrounding me with not only a wife who is willing to say, "That's a terrible idea. That's a terrible idea. That's a terrible idea," but this you need to pay attention you know surrounded me by with a wife who would do that but also with other guys on my board of directors our board of influence just guys that have come alongside me and said you know don't go this alone he's put some guys in my life that have made me really put feet and good running shoes on the question will you pray about this and I've not been given the the luxury I guess very often of saying I'll pray about it and not having to to pray about it, despite my flesh's, you know, better intentions.
0: So I love this, right? You say yes, you have a lot going on in your life. But let me ask you this, this story, Mm -hmm. first of all, what is the Bema? And what is it about this story that for you, like drew you in and said, okay, I got to watch this DVD with my wife. There was something going on there that was powerful.
1: Yeah, most non-believers know the, the, the idea of Judgment Day, right? But I would guess that probably 80 to 90% of believers don't understand that there's a difference between the Bema Seat judgment and the white throne judgment, right? There's at least two judgments in scriptures. There's a place that scripture says it will actually judge angels. So there's multiple judgments that we've got to pay attention to. Scripture talks about them. The white throne is where those who are in Christ are cast out of God's presence and hear those words that none of us want to hear, away from me, I never knew you. But there's a place in Scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, that says we must all appear before the Bema, the judgment seat, the Bema seat of Christ, where each may receive rewards for the things done in the body according to what he's done, whether good or bad. Clearly, the Scripture says that for those who are in the kingdom, those who are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, there will be a judgment. There will be a reckoning when you and I come before the Lord and account for all of the decisions that we've made in our life, good, bad, or indifferent. And some people would imagine it to be something like a great conveyor belt where every work that we have done in Christ kind of passes through the fire of truth and it's refined or tested, and it either comes out as wood, hay, or stubble, it comes out as ash, or it comes out refined like gold. And so we've got to pay attention to the fact that there is a coming day when you and I, in Christ, saved though we may be, Will receive rewards for the things done in the body. And 1 Corinthians actually even talks about how, even though what we have done will be refined, it may be, sa- though we be saved, it be as one escaping the flames. And we've got to pay attention to those those very key moments in scripture that say we will have to account for what we do. And some of what we did will be refined and, and we'll receive it as a reward. And some of what we did will be reduced to nothing more than ashes. So that's kind of where the scriptural underpinning for this is. And and I looked at it and thought, golly, man, if, if that's true, and I believe it is, we really ought to be paying attention to everything that we do. Because if we're doing anything with a, a selfish motive, scripture said the day will come when that will be refined by fire and, and we'll be left holding it as nothing but cinders and ashes.
0: Oh, you're going to tell you, one of the most powerful conversations I ever had was two years ago, my dad passed away. In- his first day in hospice, it happened. God took him home very quickly. Mm. It was the last conversation we had. My mom and my sister needed to leave the room. And my mom was very uncomfortable with any end of life conversations, even though we just had to move my dad to hospice. Yeah. And my dad was staring out the window. And I said, dad, what are you thinking about? He says, well, John, I'm going to be sitting in the judgment seat of Christ soon. Awesome. And he started tearing up. He's like, I'm scared, right? Cause, and he was an amazing man in his eulogy. I said, there's one word that describes my father, and it's love. But let me ask you a question, though, right? Because, I mean, we so we then, Aaron, it was one of the most the richest conversations in my life. And I said, Dad, let's just grab the Bible, and let's just abide, and let's just let Holy Spirit guide us through scriptures, so you can just have comfort as you're heading toward this amazing encounter with your savior. But Aaron, I'd like you to walk us through that, right? Because I think, you know, we're all on a journey. We want to sit in that judgment seat and just be welcomed, you know, into the family. I I, like, I I know I turned my video off because the audio was skipping here and there, man. I'm just wiping away some tears because I'm just remembering this beautiful, precious moment with my dad. And you know what? We're all going to be there at some point.
1: Yeah, for sure. And one of the most daunting things for me, and I'm sure it was for Jim Kadizel and for Jonathan Rumi is at some point in time, I know I'm going to have to portray the Lord Jesus Christ in front of people. So I essentially, this is a one man show, one man play, and I'm playing all these different characters and different voices and all these different personas are coming up. But one of them I wanted to be extremely careful with, obviously, was Jesus. And Jesus sort of sets the tone for what's about to happen, kind of does some housekeeping. He says, like, here's what's about to happen. And he kind of goes through, you know, here are the criteria that your, your life is going to be judged on. But he talks about, and I wanted to be extremely accurate, as accurate as I can be, because scripture tells us that day is coming, but it doesn't tell us how it's going to look. But I did know a few things. One, there are lots of things that Jesus promises to those who believe. There are rewards. There are crowns. There are things that he promises in this, in two chapters of Revelation, there are 22 promises to believers that Jesus says will happen. And so in my heart, I know based on scripture that Jesus is looking forward to that day. And if Jesus looks forward to it for believers, shouldn't we Mm -hmm. also? He talks about a crown of glory. He talks about a crown of righteousness. He talks about a crown of life. These are things that if I were Jesus, I would want to give. I mean, as a dad, I want to give my kids these rewards. You did great. I want to tell my kid, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to give them the rewards that they earned by doing the work by my power and in my spirit. I want to do that for them. So that for me is a very precious moment for sure. But it's one of those things that every time I do the show, it reminds me personally, man, I want to live my life in such a way that it pleases him in so many ways. And I want people to walk away from this story going, man, this isn't just Judgment Day is an exciting day. It's like the Oscars, the Emmys and the Super Bowl all wrapped up in one times a million.
0: (laughs) So how do you get to that place? Well, you know, let me ask you a different question. You know, as you went through this whole process and really dug in and the characters and how to really, you know, communicate this, what did you learn about yourself, Aaron? <laughs>
1: I'm so selfish. Man, I'm selfish. Mm-hmm. And I've told this people to people for years, if you really want to learn how selfish you are, get married. If you want to mm-hmm. learn how selfish you really are in great detail, get married and have a bunch of kids. But then imagine yourself accounting for everything that you do, every motive, every thought, every private thought, every word you've said, every word you should have said, everything you should have done that you didn't do, everything you should not have done that you did do. Imagine holding those up to the light of Christ and seeing what makes it through that fire. Those are things that I learned about myself right from the get-go, that I do a lot of things with godly motive. I do a lot of things with selfish ambition. But majority of the stuff that I do is some mushy mix of mixed motives, and God helped me to live every day with that day in mind so that I'm making sure that everything I do is clean of those mixed motives and purely done by heavenly motives.
0: Yeah, how did you start to discern what those motives were? Give yourself some, you know, yourself some grace and forgiveness in those times that you were in the, you know, the I camp and uh, move it toward really having that focus on Christ.
1: You know, often it's just simply meditating on on think, thinking about my thinking. You know, metacognition, thinking about my thinking in ap- in the rearview mirror, going, "Hey, man, did I just do that because it's all about me, or did I just do that because it's all about Jesus?" I mean, I'm doing it right now, going, "Did I just say that because God? That's what you wanted me to say, or is that I'm doing that because I'm trying to promote the brand?" Right? It's an ongoing process on an everyday basis. I mean, the average. Adult makes 34,000 decisions every single day. Good grief. (laughs) That's a massive inventory, right? We make decisions over and over again. So if I'm making those decisions, shouldn't I, with a certain amount of sober mindedness, go back and do a post mortem on those and figure out, God, where are some patterns where my flesh is ongoing, reigning throughout the day? And on top of that, where are some places where I'm seeing victory? Where can I be grateful that you have cleaned up my motives? And in foresight, God, I've got to make a massive decision. How do I, or will you help me, you know, make this decision based on purely kingdom motives? God, how do I glorify you the most? How do I decrease and you increase in this decision or this set of decisions that I've got to make? And having uh, men specifically around me, board of directors, personal board, board of influence, whatever you call it, how do I? have some accountability for the decisions that I have yet to make or I've just made, having men in my life that can hold me to task on that, having a wife who I know is humble, Holy Spirit-driven, that can help me walk through some of those decisions and knows my blind spots and has the gift of discernment to go, no, babe, you're all Team Aaron and not much Team Jesus on this one. Let's back this one up. Having those people that can catch my blind spots in my life those are some of the places that I've gone and and I've just been, you know, I can be grateful to God that He's over and over got people in my life that help me catch those blind spots because in my flesh, I can justify and man, we can justify just about anything in our flesh, can't we?
0: Yeah, we excel at that, right? And you know, <laughs> something I've also learned just studying, you know, coaching and human behavior and trying to make changes, whether it's, you know, spiritual growth, personal growth as a leader is, you know, those decisions you talked about, 95% of what we're going to do today is identical to yesterday because we've actually created habits. I I know a a big part of me was to really work in the area of identity, right? Mm -hmm. There was a huge gap between the person I, what is it? First of all, let's define identity, right? And, And here's what I think it is. It's what I believe to be true about John right, because I'm carrying my life, my experiences, success, failures, things that have been said to me, right, in a moment that Mm -hmm. is not true, but I believed it about myself, and I let it in. And think about it, all the enemy has to do to pull us off being, you know, on the playing field as a kingdom force is to either get us to say, no, I don't think that's quite for you, or get you to believe, you know what, you're not that person, you're just yeah. a sinner saved by grace. Think about that. You know, I hear people say that all the time. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. That's almost like, yeah, well, yes, that's true. Yeah. But then that also denies the glory of Christ working in and through our lives to accomplish uh, things that are so far beyond anything we could even dream or think or imagine. God's plans are so much bigger, and we don't know our role in each season. And I'll never forget, Aaron, a friend of mine, as I was really trying to figure out how do I grow and what do I do next and what's my calling. And I remember saying to him, hey, I got to figure out how I'm wired so I can figure out what to do next, right? You know, I got to examine my motives and motivations and limiting beliefs and all these things. And and, and uh, he just paused and he looked at me and goes, well, what if you asked yourself that question a little bit differently? What if you asked yourself, how did God wire me? And what did God wire me for? And I realized there's this giant gap and I started to close it. Now in that came is uh, kind of this mantra as I was recovering from this accident and trying to take care of my family and rebuild my life is, hey, what is that one small step I need to take today that God is going to show me? And I'm just going to trust him. Instead of having this big grand plan and all these goals and, you know, I still had some goals, but like I needed God to guide me and now what that's evolved into, Aaron, is, hey, how do I ask God, what is that next small step in the moment, each moment? Yeah. And it's become a mantra that me and my business partner have is whether it's negotiating a commercial lease, what to do with the business, how to deal with an employee, you know, coming home to our kids is pause, pray, and listen. For sure. So starting my, my you know, my time in the morning with abiding in the word and just being present, I got to tell you, just bringing in some of these spiritual disciplines and habits, and like you said, having a group of men that are also on that journey, where we can, you know, have some accountability around that. Oh my gosh, I, I just feel like I'm, I feel like I've come a long way. I have a long way to go, but I'm so much more in alignment now than I've been in a very long time.
1: Agreed. And bar none, for me, the greatest right turns that I've made in my faith have been as a result of me you know, sitting down with another guy who's maybe, maybe a peer, maybe we've been believers just as long as each other, or a guy, most of the time, a guy that's, you know, a few years further in the faith, but we can just sit down and think out loud about what's true about what God says and understand, you know, is there a disconnect between what God says about me and what I believe about? I mean, I think you're a hundred percent on and, you know, business people tend to get this very easily. Business people have a tendency to look at these things and go, See clearly, choose wisely, act boldly. They go, okay, vision, strategy, execution. That's natural in business. What's the overriding vision of where do we see the company in five years, 10 years, 20 years? What do I do to get there and make those next steps? And how do I, based on my gifts, talents, unique abilities, financial resources, location, geographically influence, how do I and my uniqueness act boldly toward accomplishing What God would have me do? What are those next right steps for me? You know, I just see it as kind of a funnel. If we can help people answer the why question, why am I here? That day is sort of the big picture eye opener to help lots of people get their eyes and ears on the fact that God has a purpose and a mission for your life because He's already up to something and you're just a piece of that puzzle. There is a thing for you to do or things for you to do based on who He designed you to be and where He placed you. And there are some unique whys. And how's for you to do those. And so it's always been for us about, you know, getting people's eyes and ears on God's call on your life, helping them figure out what do I do about that? And what's that purpose? And then discerning how do I accomplish those things and and take those next steps and getting my hands and feet, eyes and ears, hearts and minds, hands and feet uh, going. And so that's why I look at that day as just a, as a tool to help ministry leaders, pastors, leadership organizations to get everybody's eyes and ears on a big picture idea. And then often as, as often as possible, hand the reins to the local church or the leader and go, all right, what's next for you? Because now, typically at the end of the show, I've got a whole room full of people that I've seen open their eyes wider during the performance to the fact that God's going to call them to account for how they live their life. Did you live it for you or did you live it for me? How much? you know? And what do we do to help them take better steps and change the trajectory of your life. We can't fix the past. We can just move forward. How do we help you make the right next steps? And helping those leaders to direct traffic to whatever program or plan. I mean, I've, have I got plans and programs? Do I have seminars and workshops and things that I can come do? Yeah, absolutely. But you're a pastor. You're a ministry leader. You've got dozens of books and you've got Lifeway and Christian books. You've got all kinds of curricula that you could drive people through. You do that. You know, I just want to get people uh, motivated and get them to realize by the end of the story that they're a little bit off track. And I had a conversation two weeks ago with Tim Stevenson, who authored the book, and he said, look, one thing was very clear to me when I first, you know, wrote this. I was doing it out of necessity because there weren't a lot of materials out there at the time that helped people grapple with the fact that God calls us to account one day. And he said, you know, I, I just turned this into a book out of necessity." And Tim basically said the same kind of thing. Look, we all realize by the end of the story, we fall short of what we could, of our potential in prayer, in devotional life. And by the end of the story, people realize, hey, all right, I'm busted. You know, It's so much easier when we're watching a movie or watching a play or watching some story be told to kind of go, oh, wow, this is great entertainment. But somewhere in the middle, it grabs us by the heart or grabs us by the, the collar and says, hey, by the way, this is you, buddy. This is you also. And most wise and discerning people by the end of the story get it and they go, okay, you know, put the cuffs on me. I'm guilty. How do I change my life moving forward? What do I do next? And so I love to meet leaders like you, pastors, ministry leaders, organizational coaches and and counselors who just go, okay, I just need to kind of light a fire under the backside of my people and help them realize, you know, what I've been telling them, trying to tell them all along, that you're just a couple of degrees off track and we can help you to, to hit reset today.
0: Yeah, it makes me think of you know when you're a couple degrees off track and you're flying an airplane, right? You know you you uh, <laughs> disaster. You, you don't end up you know you think where your destination, but you're thousands of miles away, and then there's no runway, right? Yeah. That's called uh, an emergency situation. Guys, you can get in touch with Aaron. His website is seasonsoflifeministries.org, dot but you can also go to thatday.info. And get more information, because if you want to bring Aaron into your church, your organization, and have this incredible experience and start these conversations, start this journey, right? Because, you know, when you talked about, you know, see clearly, what is that vision? Choose wisely, right? What is the strategy? How are you really listening to the Lord? How are you having discipleship in your life? There's a lot of men and women I know that, you know, there's not a good discipleship, you know, either it's not intentional There's not a lot of influence there. And then how do we move that into not only acting boldly, but then just saying, you know, are we doing that well? Right. And you know what, like you said, you're right. It totally makes sense in the business context. You know, the thing that's been hard for me is what does that look like for me? I, you know, I said, what are my spiritual goals for John for a year? You know, at the, you know, this time next year, January of 24, you know, and if I was sitting there, Aaron, and talking to you about, you know, physically, spiritually, emotionally, financially, my business, my marriage? What are those things that I knew I was moving toward in partnership with the Father that, man, I would just be excited to be celebrating about, regardless of where the journey takes me this next year, right? There's going to be highs and lows. where We're guaranteed adversity. We're guaranteed tribulation. And we're also going to have those amazing days. But, you know, that's all part of this short period of time that we have here Until we spend eternity with the Lord.
1: Yeah. We're going to be here for a vapor. We're going to be here for a very short period of time. And one thing made, we became very clear to a lot of folks during the whole pandemic was the fact that look, a lot of people are really clinging to this life. It became very clear to me at the very least. People were Mm -hmm. clinging to this life as if this life here were the most important thing. The reality is we're going to spend a brief blip of time here and we're going to be with Jesus forever. And if we want quality of life here at the expense of quality of life with Jesus, man, what an awful, sad, disappointing trade-off that is.
0: That is such a powerful point, right? If you want quality of life here, you could be sacrificing quality of life in attorney. So just think on that one. Um, Just, you know, as we wrap up, right? So that day dot info, but Aaron, just as we, as we kind of wrap up here, what are just some, final thoughts you'd like to leave with
1: everybody? Um, You know, right now I'm working right with a couple of guys back in the Atlanta area who have an existing business owner forum. It is a distinctly Christian business owners forum called Iron Forums. There's a chance that they may bring me on in some capacity. I mean, we're, we're really early in the process, but there's a chance that they may bring me on to help some of their expansion into Jacksonville and North Florida. But one of the things that I love about this group is it's a bunch of business owners, it's entrepreneurs, it's the guys that I'm having conversations with right now that say, because I'm in the corner office, sometimes I feel cornered. I feel threatened that if I've got to make this decision, A, it's going to be really difficult to unplug it and reverse it once it's in place. I feel a little bit cornered because if I don't do this one right, it's going to have long-term repercussions. I need a group of guys around me that I can go to that are business owners, that are distinctly Christian. Jesus is not an add-on to their business. He's the core. And I need to be able to sit there with a bunch of guys, maybe four or five of them out of a, a larger group that we can walk with on a regular basis and lean in and go, hey, any of you guys currently wrestling with this issue in your business, in your life, maybe you've got a prodigal team, you're trying to figure out how to navigate through. If I go back to my board and I talk to them about that, they're not gonna understand it from a distinctly Christian point of view. And I love the idea of men specifically, nothing wrong with women, but men are called to lead by God in a very unique way. Men are called to gather with other men in the multitude of counsel. And I love the idea of guys having other guys that are going to very specifically walk with each other through those kinds of decisions. And the fact that we can teach guys to do that with that day in mind, that's huge. Mm -hmm. If churches and other parachurch ministries could get this on their radar, this idea of helping their leaders function in that capacity. I have that idea in my mind to go, imagine what it would be like. Imagine what it would be like if churches were leading guys to groups like that, to peer groups like that. And imagine if churches and organizations were unafraid of bringing an outsider into their organization to tell a story like that day. Uh, they can open the eyes of their people to the fact that you're going to account to Jesus for the rest of your life, or everything you've done in your life. Imagine what it would be like if just 10% of our highest capacity leaders were living every day with that day in mind. And what would it be like if those leaders then had a strategy that they could put into place to make sure that they were realigning their life? Because we're all going to go off track, aren't we? You know, the cockpit of an F-14 You know that there are external factors affecting that multi-million dollar jet that are going to cause you to drift and you've got to make course corrections how do you make course corrections when you're in the corner office feeling cornered feeling isolated how do you when you're maybe not in the corner office but you're in charge of a family a small group a team a huddle an organization how do you make those course corrections and what have you put into place it's going to make you sure that by everything in your power, you've made sure to course correct as often as possible so that when you meet Jesus, he doesn't just say welcome, but he says, well done, good and faithful servant.
0: I love that you ended up there, too. I and, mean, you know, it, it makes me also think about, right, to make a course correction, you have to know what to correct back Yeah. to.
1: Right? Yeah. Well, and you, if we you, don't see clearly what, what that... the destination is, right, if you don't have a see clearly, you don't see clearly what the end destination is. Abiding in Christ will help you for absolute sure to make the next right step. But if you don't see clearly and God has given you a clear vision and you're disconnected from that because of distraction, because distraction comes in every day. If you don't see clearly, how are you going to course correct when you do find yourself off track? That for me is really the big thing. Everybody you know, everybody that I know has do and done on their day to day stuff. We want to go from do to done and somewhere in between do and done is always distraction. And Jesus had a very simple response for how to clear up the mess between do and done. The way to get through distraction is discipleship, 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 abiding in me and walking with men who walk with Jesus is really one of those crucial things. And if you're going to live a life of eternal mindset of eternal leadership, you got to begin with the end in mind.
0: Love that Aaron. Thank you so much for what you're doing, folks. I really hope you reach out to Aaron. Uh, Love to hear all kinds of incredible stories about Aaron coming into your organization, your church, even your company, if you're a Christ-led company with your team and uh, man, just keep knocking them alive out there, brother. And I look forward to our next conversation.
1: Awesome, John. I will uh, go ahead and make sure there's a link in the uh, show notes for seasonsoflifeministries.org slash vision. And if somebody wants to grab a quick PDF and just self-guided go through it, to help you discern your god-given mission that resource is available to you right there for sure it's free it's always going to be free i don't think you should have to pay for that but if you do want to dial down deeper into that and reach out to me after you've taken the assessment feel free reach out through the website or whatever means you see necessary
0: all right awesome man
1: talk to you soon thanks guys